The following audio presentation may contain mature language, situations, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on Edict Zero FIS. I'm looking for Socrates. Captain Socrates. No one does that. No one looks for the captain. No. Five months ago, he escaped from Harlan Hill Sanitarium with four other patients. These patients were simply there one minute and gone the next. Right book. Captain's right books. No, no, no. The idiocy of the book poopsies knows no rival. Worse are the fools with just the dash of smarts to rationalize their incompetence in goofy maze filters for mice beyond their circles. Socrates carries around a frying pan. Who the hell do you think you are? A man! With a pan. He hits people with a frying pan, which he lets ring out, and whatever musical right. note it is. Well, he calls them by what the note is. Where the hell is his voice coming from? Here. You're the boss. Oh, yes. Yes, I am. This is a rescue operation which has the potential for surprises. Presume the presence of hostiles around a hostage. It's one of FIS's own special agent, Marcus Briggs. Liner, the office of the oblong receptacle of Pinocchio's nose, and I'm drenched in the ink of its horn, knowing its purposes. Ten twenty-four pending. Area secure. Clear for all unit suspects. Bag. Take the pan and send me back to the place of mistakes, where the world threw me away. This man is a lunatic. That's good. It means we brought him to the right place. Well, I believe that something caused his sense of identity to fragment. Oh, who are you? The better question is, who are you? I am everyone, and no one, in equal measure. London, North Island, Edit 1, Clandestine Complex, Sunday, September 9, 2277, Time, 9 o'clock a.m. In that we share common core programs, you are all much like brothers to me. You are native entities, yes, but while others are born and die, we remain. However, your journeys will be comparable in many ways to the client experience. Right now, you are blank slates. You are everyone and no one. You are Understudies. You are listening to Edict Zero FIS, the science fiction audio drama series. Starring James Keller, Julie Hoverson, Bill Rossi, Tanya Milojevic, Russell Gull, Jennifer Dixon, Matthew McLean, and creator Jack Kincaid.
It's pan time. Come forward. Oh, Captain. Yes. Captain. Yes. Captain. Yes. Captain. Yes. Captain. Yes. Oliver. <gasps> oh no, oh dear. Oh dear. Not here. No. No, 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 a fine ingredient to add to my pan and the bounce of my words. Oh, the angst. Oh, the torment. What a scene, that. To enter on my cue. The poison already imbibed. Oh, the death. The death of a scribe. I'm Orson Gallagher for NBS Evening News on this Monday, July 8th, 2374. Our biggest story tonight will come as no surprise to those living in the northern regions of the world, which have been hammered since yesterday by record rainfall. Yes, Oliver. Thin. 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 Huh? You said thin. What is thin? Reality. Everything. Everything is thin. Everything is so thin. At times it feels like a movie. You're taking your sleep aid so soon. Your average time for going to sleep is 1.53 a.m. I see no point in consciousness right now. Oliver, based on my analysis of your voice patterns, you have been in a sustained state of depression for approximately six months. The longest period I have observed so far. I forgot you were keeping score. Cross-referencing this with other past data, I find a 95% probability that you will elevate your mood considerably by making the following adjustment. Work on your novel writing again. I see no point to that either. I've done that all my life. What benefit has it had on that life? Writing is a variable which has changed, in that you haven't been engaging in this activity. You've forgotten about Emily. I have not. But the probability for reconciliation is minuscule. I don't need you to remind me. You and I do not have influence on that variable. Based on my analysis, you experienced happiness when working. The absence of unhappiness is not the same as happiness. You have also heightened your spirit in the past by watching your favorite selections from the video archives. Those involving you and Emily Dooley between the years 2365 and 2368. It's better to imagine than to remember. Memories were meant to fade. Your application of that sentiment is selective. You re-expose yourself to correspondences related to your writing aspirations ten or more times a day. Yes. Yes, and why don't we hear the latest from Ed Leland? You have already heard that one eight times today. I wish to hear it again. Please. 
As you wish, Oliver. Dear Mr. Dooley, this is Ed Leland from Zingle Entertainment. Sorry to take so long in getting back to you about your latest submission. In regard to your book, Shadows from the Sky, I'm afraid we're going to have to pass on this one too. The world is unaffected. I see this is your ninth novel submission to us, and I'm sorry that this one didn't work out either. As with the others, there's nothing wrong with the writing per se. Of course not. However, we can only take on projects that were But the words aren't enough, enough, are they? As for what you expressed in your cover letter about wanting more feedback, well, yes, I understand. All I can really say is to keep doing what you're doing and good things can happen. But I do recommend that you get out there I'm and I'm an introvert, you twit. Taking conventions can be helpful. Do what you can to establish a presence for yourself. If I could do that, I you wouldn't have made it to you. There's no disputing that. We don't have any reasons not to take you on, but we don't have any reasons to do so. You give no, no thought to what you're saying at all, do you, Mr. Lena? Objective business. Again, thank you for submitting and please submit to us again. Yours, Ed Leland Senior. Without supplying information to better guide the next attempt, your process is not a barometer for anything but outrageous masochism. How much can you make them take? That's how I used to feel about it anyway. Now I understand why you seem to make no sense whatsoever. Why do you talk to these recordings? It was not meant to be and thus never could. And with that, it makes sense. But my contempt for you and your station blazes on every cell. Distempered by the knowing that you're as blameless for administering the abuse as I am for receiving it. We are at the mercy of the plot. Helpless against its power. How blinded with hope we can be by the beauty of such lies as choice. The protagonist protects only to sell its romance and validate the story's end for the entertainment of innocence or for the sustenance of gods with fat bellies. The latter I expect, the bitter I am. Bitter I am to be raised as cattle, to be born for no other purpose than to bleed. Oliver? Oh, Edgar, how like my characters I've become in my misbehavior and the embrace of some illusion of free will that cannot affect the outcome only delay it I've delayed my author from writing the proper ending for long enough it's not a kind ending but in the story never was kind was it the only light it ever saw were devices cruel flashes of contrast so that the darkness may be defined devices they were nothing more than devices she was nothing more than a device there's only one ending that makes the whole story make sense Oliver what story story of my life it is a tragedy I'm a character in a tragedy. That's the only way that it could all make sense. You are not a character in a story, Oliver. Oh, but I am. Reality is a kind of fiction, isn't it? And fiction must make sense. Must make sense. What are you doing? I'm accepting who I am. Accepting my place. More than one pill is not recommended. I'm not going to take them right now. 
Deactivate yourself, Edgar. Enter sleep mode. Yes, Oliver. This is where story ends. It is only a story. It is only a dream. Or a dream where I spilled my blood. The hands that turn my pages shall be soaked with it. Let it stain with my curses. Never wash clean. Hill Sanitarium. Second floor. Wednesday, January 7th, 2415. Time, 729 p.m. Good evening, Dr. Hren. Uh, Dr. White, thank you for standing by. I was surprised that you were still in the building. Oh, I'm not as surprised about that. These late-day meetings with the administration board always take longer than they estimate. I was surprised to hear that the Edict 1 Science Services had returned so soon regarding patient 1422 and at this hour. It is more common to see them in the early morning. Yes, exactly. I know my vigilance is up given everything that's been happening with, with the pharmaceutical troubles and the rise in SDEs this past week. Nonetheless, I worried that the sudden reappearance of the science services could be cause for alarm. Not that I am aware of. As I understand it, they want to conduct the same battery of tests as they did two days ago. Ah, yes, to compare the results, of course. The mysterious extraction of the patient's implant has also piqued their interest. It most certainly has, Dr. White. Dr. Fren, this is Dr. Broseda from Science Services. Dr. Sam Broseda, Edict One Embassy Science Services. How delightful to make your acquaintance. Dr. William Frayne. Yes, the feeling is mutual, Dr. Broseda. I hope that we have not inconvenienced you or your staff by arriving unannounced. After reviewing your latest query, we thought it suitable to investigate the matter straight away. A most curious matter. Yes, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Once we have conducted the tests and analyzed the data in our laboratories, we will issue your officer report, one which it's to be hoped will shed light on the anomalies you have described. Will you be joining us this evening for the tests, Doctor? My colleague, Dr. White, will be staying. She and I have been alternating care for this patient since his readmittance on the third. She'll be able to answer any questions you have as well as I. I'm on my way out. I've passed my maximum allowable hours on the grounds today, I'm afraid. Oh, what a pity. I assure you, Dr. Frame, we will be gentle. Well, the patient may not be, but I have no doubt that you'll handle him with care. 
If you can't trust Edict One, who can you trust? Who, indeed? Before I step out, I'd like to ask, do you know if Science Services have also reviewed my queries about our spike in SDEs? The sudden death event phenomenon is not limited to residents of this facility. It is no more common here than elsewhere. Well, I've noted some commonalities between patients with these events. There's a greater prevalence among schizoid personalities, those with dissociative pathologies and the delusional disorder, especially those given to conspiracist thought processes. Have we have all... yet to authenticate any correlations between SDE cases. If you believe that you have a compelling working hypothesis, you're welcome to submit it to us for review. Yes, I'll do that, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Frey. And with that, I leave you to your work. A pleasant evening to you, sir. Has he been transported downstairs? He will be. Shortly. The technicians were instructed to be doubly meticulous with precautions. The probability for success with this new treatment is not as impressive as we would prefer. There exists a potential for a dangerous reaction, such as missing the targeted processes and reactivating the wrong combination of others. This could be to our grievous disadvantage. I extended the dosage of the sedative. He should not wake until we bring him out. Yes, and how unfortunate that we should need to with this treatment. He is far more agreeable as he is now, asleep and dreaming. Sub-basement floor B. Feed it one science services dedicated ward. Treatment. Room A. Time, 8.01 p.m. Great Scott! I'm in the void! Oh, behold! Behold this beautiful dark! Oh dear, I'm not alone. Oh, dash it all! What curse walks without my within and spoils this fabulous canvas with its droppings? Who goes there? I am the man in your darkness. <gasps> oh, no, 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 no! Not for long, foul wizard! Horrible things hunt here! Flee you, or be devoured by their teeth! Be sure that the blindfold remains secure during the test. You! Oh, you... Administer the first injection. Yes, Ambassador. Spirits are not finely touched. Ambassador? Agent Berlin. This is as good of a time as any for the promised briefing on 93Q42. While we wait for the preparatory treatment to take hold, you are aware of this entity's classification. He is a registered client. Erroneously registered as a corruption byproduct. He is among the last quantum client entities in Edict Zero. A quantum client? I have heard this term. I did not know that we ever achieved the goal of converting an unanchored client entity to a native. He may bring us closer to that goal. But there is another context. It is an older context, which pertains to a broken system that handled client disconnections. Once upon a time, a physical disconnect 
or a rejection of the dream state by the brain of the client organism did not result in the sudden death of the client entity left behind. Instead, an understudy entity would take control of the quantum client, play their part, you might say, as an actor would. Ah, to maintain continuity of lives. When the understudy system corrupted out of control, the entities malfunctioned in unpredictable ways as they jumped between the quantums. Many began jumping prematurely, causing the first rash of sudden death events. Most were terminated by troubleshooter tasks as their corruptions malformed them into physics-violating anomalies barely recognizable as processes. Some outcomes were benign, such as those who could no longer pass data from the quantum entities, much less inherited as their own. And this one? He carried data from jump to jump, which was never supposed to happen. How much memory was allocated for each understudy? Only a touch more than other client and native entities. Not enough to carry the full load from more than one. They were not designed for that. Once the data could no longer be truncated, compressed without loss of information, the least prioritized is overridden. His mind is an amalgam of fragments from every client entity he understudied. Oh, it's a wonder he can function at all. What is it that you wish for him to remember? To rectify 93Q42 in a way that's useful to us. We need to reset this understudy. Restore him to his original state as he was when he entered into service with his series in the year 2277. The trouble comes from the nature of the understudy. They were not meant to have a strong sense of self, given the necessity to readily suspend it. We must excavate it and implore it to reset. However, what self the understudy does possess has abilities that could be disastrous if employed against us, particularly in sensitive embassy areas. That is why he is here. If the treatment works, it will restore him? It should remedy some of his corruptions, those which make his most vital functions unreadable and provide us with an interface to his processes. We have no access through which to manipulate, and his fields are riddled with junk values. It will also introduce subroutines that seek out dormant processes and run memory management programs if an opening can be found in his chaos of corruptions, that is. The odds are not in our favor. This has become a matter of trial and error, regrettably. Ah, uh, they're about to inject it. I expect this will be intense from his perspective. From ours. I shall hope against that. Capital City. FIS Headquarters. Office of Assistant Director Alan Dockstager. Conference with Special Investigative Unit 415-8. Tuesday, January 13, 2415.
Time, 8.05 a.m. I have reviewed reports from the DOS and the DOI. They concede the involvement of Stephen Ridge with a secret development project under military contract to Dextra Robotics. They claim that he was commissioned to utilize his abilities to design a user-friendly interface to a remote control tactical droid, one which he allegedly stole. The Banisher. You don't believe it. Beg your pardon? You use the word claim. Did those reports also address how Stephen Ridge could have passed the screening process for classified government work? His background is loaded with red flags. The reports infer that his well-known upbringing was exploited, and his conspiracist woes thereafter were staged to create a documented legend, a shield, which would throw off anyone who might otherwise suspect him of involvement with the project. As one who examined all the data on his computers, I disagree with that. His conspiracies, beliefs, and activities were genuine. If not, everything that happened Friday wouldn't make sense. They also concede that the screening process failed and the risk that they took on him was an error. Now, I could go on and on about what E2 said, or how they've overcompensated with a brow-raising dump of intel that aims to persuade. But our time could be better spent. Whether we agree with their explanation or not, the outcome is the same. You are implying that you don't agree. I'm implying that I don't know what the hell is going on out there. Except that it's beyond my personal experience and it's bizarre. So much, in fact, that I have to consider a larger range of possibilities. I think it's been a mind-broadening experience for all of us. There's compelling evidence of happenings on January 9th that are better explained by the existence of the Hexgate disk, which your unit has championed. There's the corroborated accounts of the Banisher robot, which appeared to pull into itself and vanish into nothing. There's the mainland state police cruiser, which wasn't demolished by a machine, but by something of biological origin. And there's accounts of a large, unidentified bestial creature. One account being by a misp, who was critically injured. There's many things that fit better with the Hexgate disc context. But? Obviously, E2 is perceived a security threat, serious enough to have taken jurisdiction over the Stephen Ridge affair. We yield on that one. Also, the moment that soldiers of this FRC group were involved, you collided with long-standing operations of the DOI and our own counterterrorism division. They've been working at the Bishop for decades. If I interpreted your report correctly, you all shouldn't rate this much more than a minor setback. You believe that Stephen Ridge's only connection to your cases was the Hexgate disc, correct? Yes, and Neil Practor. There's no evidence of another connection that we could uncover. The Hexgate disc is an integral component of our cases, as well as the briefcase bomb. We haven't found either. We know that an unknown party murdered Stephen Ridge, execution style, and took the Hexgate disc. It is possible that a higher edict recovered it, and perhaps recovered the briefcase bomb. Not that they will tell us, if so. Do we want to assume and hope they did? If they didn't, we'll know sooner or later. In a very rude awakening. That prospect doesn't settle any better with me than it does with you. But if you think that the disc is still out there, you'll find another route. Leave this one be. You've got no other business with it. It seems to me that there's no link back from the false reality conspiracists, and your report does not indicate anything to the contrary. Am I right? We didn't substantiate anything one way or the other. Funny how E2 sees this as another opportunity to point the finger of blame at the conspiracists for more scary stuff on the news. Agent Zern, I'd like to hear your thoughts as the counterterrorism agent in this unit. I think conspiracism has gained enough political presence to be viewed as a threat by the government they villainize. That's self-evident. It would be naive to discount politics from play, but 
It's dangerous to discount the threat presented by Zern, the extremists. I didn't want your thoughts on Agent Garrett's interjection, but on links back to Cook from this conspiracist group. Oh. There's some ideological similarities to the San Julian cell. Other than that, I've seen no correlation with Mr. Cook. I hope that's settled. On the matter of Penley Creek and the events of the 7th and the 8th, I understand that the phenomenon with the wasp swarms has ceased. That's correct. We believe it was caused by Neil Proctor. Since his demise, there haven't been any more attacks, or even sightings. I judge that as another link in a chain of evidence that's circumstantial but does corroborate. You outlined it well in your report. Even though Neil Proctor coming into contact with the Hexgate disc was anecdotal, and you found no direct substantiation for your hypothesis, I find no fault with the report. The lab results from E1CLS did come in, and their analysis of the samples will probably come as no surprise. Ordinary red stripe wasps. Of course. File this under unexplained. Then, I recommend you go over everything you have, work at the loose ends, and generate new leads with follow-up. We will. Agent Briggs, I presume that you're aware that you have an OIG debriefing tomorrow regarding the organized crime operations of the Center City Bombing Task Force. You'll also be debriefed on your work in East Island while under Agent Wakeman. I know. I'll be there. Don't be late. Be early. They like that. Just tell the truth. Okay. You are all dismissed with the exception of Agent Garrett. Thank you, sir. I feel a talk coming on. Two weeks from now, on January 27th, you have an appointment with Dr. Gardy for an evaluation. Details are in your mail. Hmm. I already completed my semi-annual psych eval. Assistant Director Brindley insisted on it. Yes, because it was months overdue. But I'm not referring to a routine evaluation. This is an FFDE ordered by my office. Ah... You doubt my fitness for duty, of course. I think it's worth looking into. What I doubt is that you appreciate this for the gift it is. It is the mildest possible response you could expect, given your conduct. I see. You want it on record that you formally addressed my infractions, if we want to call them that. But, um, there's more. You're protecting an investment in the unit. Yeah, it's no mystery that I'm in a position of responsibility, yes. I didn't mean your professional investment. I was talking about your personal one. Interesting. What changed? Is there anything you would like to share? Yes. If you do not report to Dr. Gardy for this eval, you'll be walking the beach, Garrett. I will suspend you. You want me to go because you're already confident that I'll pass as treatable in the worst-case scenario. I have no such confidence. When I first met you... I would have credited you with the ability to fool the controls, if you needed to. And this would cast great doubt on the validity of the results. And now? Now I know that you're honest. Even at your own expense. Capital City. FIS Headquarters. Office of Special Investigative Unit 415-8. Wednesday, January 14th. Time... 6.46 a.m. Oh, you're both here early. And so are you. Aha! 
You thought you could slither in before anyone else and have the office to yourself so you could do your underhanded deeds. Ha ha! But no such luck. I've been here since four. Four in the morning? Couldn't sleep either, eh? I slept great. Two solid hours. I tossed and turned for five hours and stared up at the ceiling of the motel room for another hour before I gave up. I feel like hell. Between work, uh, grilling by the OIG, and moving into your new place, you're gonna have a long day. Tell me about it. So what's with the map? That which is in locomotion must arrive at the halfway stage before it arrives at the goal. What? <laughs> what did you say? I didn't say that. Aristotle did. I meant. What were you thinking, Garrett? I was thinking about Zeno, actually, and his paradoxes of motion. Proof by contradiction. Motion as an illusion. I meant about the map. You've been staring at a world map. God, it's too early for this. Why would Mr. Cook choose to teleport to a junkyard? Because it's remote. Out of the way. Oh, well, it's a good starting place to disappear. Well, I considered that too, before it occurred to me that I had presupposed that he had chosen it. Something went wrong with the teleport itself, so why not with the location? The coordinates were pieces of him, or his new version, materialized. His new version? Hmm. You were teleported at least once. You know, depending on how the technology works, you might not really be Briggs, but a perfect copy of Briggs who was destroyed on January 4th at Nemtex. Isn't that nifty? Yeah, Nick, that's cool. Thanks for the good thoughts. I didn't have enough shit keeping me up at night as it is. If I'm right about this, that's not the case. It doesn't reconstitute matter, but actually does move it through space. Maybe converts itself into another form in transit so there's no collision. You got me, but I do like that better. The idea of being a copy of a dead man isn't one I'd care to adopt. Ah, you're fine either way. Hmm. True death is the loss of information. Comforting. Well, now it's four out of five, early. Ah, the dedication. Wow, <laughs> good morning. Morning. Hey. Anyway, look, if you draw a line from Holland Cove, West Island, to the mainland, to Penley Creek, Measure the distance, and then extend the line to double the distance on the same trajectory. It stops at Sterling, South Island. What are we doing? Speculating, apparently. Wildly speculating. Deja vu. I thought the teleportation artifact may have aborted Mr. Cook's teleport midway to the intended destination. Either because the device broke, or he did. What's the foundation for this thought? A hunch. You seem pretty perky this morning. Did you try the blue fire tea? No, it's the magic of being back home where I can sleep in my own bed. Considering you have the map out, have you analyzed all the similarities between the five islands and the map of the Fluxfire 9 game world? Like we discussed? Of course, it's a mirror image. There are land masses between the islands, making it one big island. The geography of the coast are exactly the same. The orientation of the towns correspond perfectly with our first settlements, although with mostly different names. It was inspired by early Edict Zero. In the 21st century? Before there was even an Edict Zero? No, the game had to be created in the New World, so knowledge of its geography is hardly a mystery. 
What I find remarkable is the knowledge that was required to recreate the real Paradox artifacts in the game, including specific Hexgate disc conjurations. Agent Resnick said the game could only be run on an emulator for a 21st century operating system. The files were dated 2049 and 2050. The publisher existed, the designers existed, the game must That's have existed. That's all grounding for the fiction of it. We can't authenticate that the game itself ever existed. There are no records. We shouldn't give the Fluxfire 9 game the significance that it desires. If we did, we'd be falling for the con. I'm with Zern. I thought we agreed that we can't trust in records. It could have been buried, like other things were. It's a fabrication. If not designed by Stephen Ridge, then by the false reality crowd that he corresponds with. I've seen clever forgeries of historical documents, videos, photographs, HMS records, all kinds of things. This is the first time I've seen a game granted, but the function of it is the same. It aspires to pass as evidence that supports a conspiracy idea. Then it's a ridiculously elaborate and time-consuming propaganda device. And for all the time put into it, it was kept obscure. Don't underestimate how obsessive these people are. How much of a believer can someone be if they have to manufacture evidence to sway others? People can be secure about a belief, but insecure about appearances when it lacks the social capital that their fanaticism insists it deserves. Telling a lie that persuades others to share that belief is easily rationalized as an acceptable wrong. As a result in an offsetting, perfect right. For the fools have been saved. Amen. Warped. That you dismiss this so readily surprises me, Agent Garrett. I expected you to fixate on this. A forgery is more likely and, as a bonus, more comfortable. If we accept the game for what it claims to be, it could suggest that our world is based on it. That infers that we're living in an adaptation of a game. Which infers... That we're living in a false reality. The core belief of the false reality conspiracy. Ding, 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 ding. Sounds like Agent Resnick may be here. Show of hands. Uh, who in this room wants to believe that they're living in a simulation without corroborating evidence? Remember, a lot of existential implications come with that. Okay, ready? Go. Point taken. Interesting. Uh-oh, that's my line. You have entrapped me somehow, haven't you? Could be. Yes, I understand, Mrs. Hill. And I thank you for your cooperation in agreeing to meet with one of our agents. Hmm. That should be fine. Thank you. Goodbye. What's up? Who is Mrs. Hale? Verona Seymour Hale from Corsica, South Island. She's staying the week in the mainland, in Promontory. Four days ago, she contacted Harlan Hill Sanitarium and told them that she knew the identity of patient 1422. 1422 was... You're kidding. Socrates? Captain Socrates? Who does she believe he is? Her brother, Leonard Hale. The last time she saw him was 30 years ago when he suffered a violent breakdown. He was to be institutionalized, but he escaped from the hospital before he could be transported. He has been missing since then. Leads to his whereabouts went nowhere and the case went cold. Has the ID been confirmed? The captain is about the right age. FRS comparisons between the photographs of Captain Socrates now and 20-year-old Leonard Hale came back 95% positive. The physical resemblance between these men is astonishing. And there are distinguishing features which are an uncanny match, including an unusual birthmark on his lower back. 
it would only be uncanny if they were different people. And that's the problem. The fingerprints don't match. They came back negative from E1CLS. Harlan Hill cancelled additional tests, and when Mrs. Hill protested, she was removed from the grounds. Negative. From E1CLS? So were they really negative? The conspiracy continues. Mrs. Hill is very upset, and she now believes that she is being stalked by Harlan Hill personnel in Promontory. So she called us? Why us? No, I called her. I was alerted to changes to the patient record when the Harlan Hill system updated the history. At 6 o'clock, I phoned Dr. Frain, who explained what took place. I found Mrs. Hale's cell number, and I called her when I reached the office. When are we supposed to meet her? Or whoever is going? 2 o'clock. I was accounting for traffic distance and time to assemble the unit. I didn't expect everyone to be here. I can't make it up there till much later. I can't blow off my date with the OIG, and I have no idea how long that's going to take. Sit this one out for today and see where we are tomorrow. Pay your dues to the Inspector General and then get yourself moved in. I'll take this. We will take this. Yes, we, in fact, Agent Kircher. I think you should be next to take a crack at the captain. Oh? I get the feeling that it's for the wrong reasons. Do you think it's a good idea to start from scratch with him? Pan jokes aside, I thought it was a given that I'd be the one to confront him. I've already built rapport with him. Yes, and he knows your note. I think that may be a detriment now, and the result would be the same as the last time. He's already armed with the coping mechanisms and proven maneuvers for the environment that you established with him. It would take more time to redefine that in a way that's productive. I want him off balance. Unprepared. I wish you the best of luck with that. I'll remain behind and tackle my workload, or do you need me to come along? Sure. No. Cern should come along. You want me to go? Well, definitely. We may need your expertise. Also, odd numbers are best. Three is a tiebreaker. You want me to come along so I can settle arguments between you and Agent Kircher? Yes. In my favor. Preferably. <laughs> Good luck with that too, Garrett. London, North Island. Beat it one. Clan Destin Complex. Number one. Close all data streams. I apologize for the disruption, number one. I wish to query about the 93Q42 situation. Which aspect, number five? As you must be aware, the native sibling of the bound quantum entity has not yielded her pursuits, despite the negative results that we returned for the identification process. Now, this Verona may see more hail, has been contacted by the meddling E3FIS unit, whose activities you have elected to tolerate. Three of them are bound for Holland Hill to question the understudy, and also to Promontory to confer with this woman. I am aware. I anticipated new directives on the matter. Accounting for these new developments, it would be suitable, sir. My, when did you inherit the seat to decide for me what is most suitable? I have no additional directives at this time. The most probable effects are benign, 
to monitor is sufficient. Our coverage of Harlan Hill is extensive, including Agent Berlin's dedicated assignment to 93Q42. We also have Initiate Zern as an agent of influence with the FIS unit, who may prove to be of service. A steady of their eclectic approaches may enlighten us to new methods. We have exhausted all others. Mainland Highway B1, westbound. Did Agent Resnick forward Leonard Hale's info yet? What do we know about him? He was a ghost. A ghost? Leonard Ainsley Hale was born in 2364 in Fairfield, South Island. His parents were type A personalities. The father, George Hale, owned two restaurants in the town's major supermarket. The mother, Sheridan, was a full-time college student, worked for City Hall, was involved heavily in the regional politics, and ultra-conservative. I feel for him already. Childhood neglect is just as apt to disrupt the development of identity as abuse. Beginning those dissociative patterns. Don't pounce a... yet, I wasn't done. There's a wealth of documented concern from the time that he was an infant. Autism was explored and hearing problems. He seldom cried, laughed, smiled. He was quiet, at times non responsive, late to walk and talk. I'm still on board with neglect. <laughs> Is that a projection, I smell? On second thought, I'll let you psych geeks sort it out. My suspicions side with the school psychologists of later years. They indicate a schizoid personality. He was an outcast loner with no friends. Socially uninterested. Emotionally barren. One report suggests a lack of empathy for others. He was never in trouble and did well academically, but he was so distant and withdrawn that it concerned his teachers. Captain Socrates is a dramatic departure from that. It's been over 30 years. People can change a lot in that time. Not that much. You can only build on the established infrastructure. Over time, towns can sprawl into cities, but the original roads remain. I think I both love and hate that analogy. At the age of 20 was when Leonard Hale suffered a break, and that's when the persona we're familiar with appears to have come into being. (laughs) Authorities became involved when he assaulted his landlord. The wild personality changes, bizarre delusions, and ranting in disordered circles were ascribed to rapid-onset schizophrenia. That was pending further evaluation, which never happened as he escaped from the hospital in Corsica. Hmm. You still haven't told me why you want me to confront him first. I think a woman is a better choice, as long as you're not too firm or authoritative. That may, well, arouse him. That I can do without. Appeal to his ego, but on an even field. Not an underling, as Briggs did. Did it occur to you that I may have my own plan of approach? I'm going to drop you and Zern off, and then head to Promontory to meet with Mrs. Hale. I'll keep contact. You're going to meet with her? Are you also going to behave? Of course. Behavior is unavoidable. Promontory, Mainland. The Hugsley House Inn. Courtyard. Time, 2.07 p.m. Excuse me? I'm sorry, Miss Hale. It's just that when you mentioned your police officer acquaintance, you glanced at your wedding ring with distaste. You also said that he noted the resemblance of the picture from Harlan Hill and that the man had your eyes. 
suggests an intimate familiarity and that you were on his mind at the time. I am not having an affair with Jason. The FIS bulletin that went out to law enforcement about escape patients was on the 3rd. Was that the day Jason saw the photo and made the connection? No, it was a week ago, Tuesday. So, the 6th. You pursued it within three days, dropping everything to come here? Were you close to your brother? No one was. He was indifferent. Growing up, I felt hurt by it. I thought it was me, but it wasn't. He was a disconnected person. He was much older than you also. Years can make a difference. It's the way he was with everyone, even our parents. I thought he was incapable of having any relationship. Sentiment was too much to ask. It was unrealistic to ask. It's like he didn't have it in him. Hmm. You mentioned your parents. Have you told them yet? I planned to. When it was confirmed, I looked forward to it. They should know what became of their son. So they'll see that their daughter isn't so bad? Or is it ammunition to help you demonstrate that they did an awful job as parents? Excuse me? Your relationship with your parents is troubled, I take it. They must be, what, in their 70s now? Any family has its problems. This isn't any family. It's your family. And he's your brother. According to Harlan Hill, he's not my brother. But I know it's him. I saw the photos. He even has the birthmark. Well, let's say he is. Then what? What are your intentions with him? I... I just want to know. I want to know for sure. Why are you so vigilant? Oh, that's right. Agent Resnick mentioned a concern that you were being watched. I think it's the people from Harlan Hill. I saw a black caravan there when I was being escorted out. I keep seeing it. Can you think of anyone else who might want to keep tabs on you? What about your soon-to-be ex-husband that you're still living with? You've been away for several days. How jealous is he? No, Ronnie wouldn't go that far. I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you I was splitting with my husband. I still wear the ring because hardly anyone knows yet. He wants to work it out and pushes the issue, but you made up your mind. Living together must be difficult. I've had to accept that I have bad taste in men. How, may I ask, did you know all that? How did you know that? I... It's not important. No, I want to know. I feel like you violated my privacy, and I take that very seriously. You introduce yourself as Mrs. Hale, not Mrs. Seymour Hale. Also, your steps in those shoes were too careful. You're used to wearing flats, not heels. And definitely not heels that high. And why would you be? You're almost six feet tall without them. Lately, though, you feel that you need a boost. My shoes? You're overcompensating, and the added self-esteem you hope to get from them differs from the norm. You want to seem more standoffish, probably for the same reason that you've desexualized yourself by having your hair cut short recently. Your hand reached up several times to fidget with the tresses that aren't there. It's a nervous habit. And I make you nervous. I desexualized myself? Did you actually say that to me? Yes, I did. There's no one else in this conversation. You think men don't like short hair because you don't? What matters most is that he doesn't like it. Let's be honest, you're not crazy about it either. You're self-conscious about it. 
but you'll keep it for some time, so you're less appealing to him and broadcast divorce from the past in no uncertain terms. You have a lot of nerve. You like that it asserts your independence much more than you dislike the way it looks. By the way, I think it looks fine, but my opinion doesn't matter because you don't find me attractive. Oh, really? And what if I do? Then you are 100% right about having bad taste in men. But you're not shopping for anyone new. No. You want to know who you are without somebody else as your own person. You're desperate to move on, putting as much of your past behind you as you can, including your brother. Would that be so wrong? And I'm not desperate. Desperate enough. You argued until you were banned from Harlan Hill. That wouldn't confirm a man to be your missing brother. A man you've already said was emotionally sterile. You're not here hoping for a reunion or to make an investment of feeling which will have no returns. Not at this stage in your life. What you want is closure. I want to know. North Irving, Mainland. Harlan Hill Sanitarium. Office of Dr. William Frain. Time, 2.16 p.m. Hello there. I apologize for the wait. There was a code one on the third floor that I needed to assist with. You are Dr. Frain, I presume? Dr. William Frain, yes. This is my colleague, Dr. Ethel White, with whom I coordinate the care of 1422. The captain. An alter name to be referenced sparingly. I'm Special Agent Kircher, and this is Special Agent Zern. Good afternoon. Different agents from last time. I expected to see the other two. We're from the same investigative unit and are well versed on the patient's history. What's known of it? Well, I knew there would be a follow up by the FIS. I'd hoped for more progress by that time. His resettlement is not going well. He remains in an intensive therapy ward, where I believe he'll stay for some time. Well, to expect improvement that's anything but very gradual wouldn't be realistic. He's in a manic state that, for all we know, has been sustained for nearly half a year. Since five months ago, when he escaped with the other patients? Yes, the other patients. I'm aware that patient 2871 won't be returning to us, of course. Cook, it troubles me greatly that one of our long-time residents went on to commit such atrocities to mankind. My faith in what we do here was not unaffected. I can't discuss the details, but know that you're not to blame. 2847 also troubles me. If there ever lived true evil in a man... It's in Logan Wendell. I know what he's capable of. His compulsion to kill is hardwired. He's a danger to anyone he meets. A task force in Ferguson City was assigned his case. It would be helpful to them as well to find out how the patients escaped here. That and understanding the connections between them is a big reason that we need to talk to the captain. If this patient has the answers you need, they are buried too deeply beneath the captain persona that protects him. We have to try. Your questioning will only generate stress. That will cause him to dissociate more vigorously. 
It will also undermine our efforts to institute structure through routine. So it's your opinion that this would be detrimental to him? You act in the best interests of your cases. Our duty is to act in best interest of our patients. I would be remiss to approve. I understand Dr. White's concerns, but I'm going to allow the questioning without forcing you to have the FIS issue a new directive. I know you would do that within an hour or two, given the seriousness of what you're investigating. All the same, I want to help, and it would be of great benefit to this facility if you found out how these patients escaped. We will if we can. I will be sure the patient is ready for four o'clock. Good day. I apologize if our presence has caused friction with your staff. Well, it's brought to light some differences of opinion, which can be healthy when deciding what's best for a patient's care. It's okay. Is there a reason that he won't be available until four? Well, the captain is currently sedated and in the infirmary of the ward for yet another reinstallation of his ID implant. Yet another? Was there a problem with previous installations? Scanners throughout the building track the movements of patient and staff alike. His chip from the installation on the 3rd stopped responding on the 7th, or so we thought. Well, it was no longer in him. The chip was later located on the floor of an isolation room. It's as if it simply fell out of his body, which showed no sign of it ever having been installed. Strange. The chip from the next installation was found in a hallway. An orderly, escorting him back to the isolation room, heard something drop on the floor. He looked down, and there it was. How is that plausible? It shouldn't be. It's baffling. You mentioned the isolation room twice. I would have thought the patients in this ward were already isolated. Well, the rooms... Well, the rooms in intensive therapy are minimalist for good reason, but not minimalist enough for patients with the captain's... Oh. Ingenuity is a good word, even if it may seem counterintuitive for someone so disordered. We've had to adapt our restraining methods as he's proven to be a capable escape artist. Well, once he sprang out of his restraints and barricaded the door with the bed, shouting about evil scientists experimenting on him. He's tireless, and there have been half a dozen incidents of... Well, let's call it misconduct of a sexual nature with the nurses. Does he have a history of being untoward with women? A few of those nurses were male. Oh. He doesn't discriminate. To say that he's uninhibited would understate. We're assembling a search party for the captain's frontal lobe. <laughs> you mentioned scientists experimenting on him. Is this a new belief that's surfaced since he returned here? would certainly be at home with his other persecutory delusions if we didn't know the basis for it. It's an amplification of a distorted perception about the Edict One medical technicians that we're consulting. They've performed a battery of simple tests and scans. Edict One. Yes, we queried their science services and the captain's strange case elicited their interest. We're grateful. Thanks to their tests and supervision, we can sedate him when needed. The dosage 
would be lethal to any other man. They found his metabolism to be, well, gosh, off the charts. This is a new situation, one with an environmental cause while he was out there on his own. We don't know. Well, the other drugs that we prescribed him in the past to level him out have had no discernible effect. Hence, all the trouble. We understand that someone came forward with a claim of his identity. Verona Seymour Hale? Oh, yes, yes, Mrs. Hale. We were optimistic at first, given the similarities and the facial recognition comparison. I was surprised, frankly, when the handprint biometry came back negative. Prior to that, was the patient confronted with it? I'm sorry, confronted? With the name Leonard Ainsley Hale. Oh no, that would have been premature, as it could have posed a serious problem if it turned out to be untrue. His desperate desire for the sense of identity that he's without could have impelled him to latch onto it at once and claim that he was. Why, just yesterday, he proclaimed himself to be the great Oliver Dooley. The author Oliver Dooley? That would be some trick. Oliver Dooley's been dead for 40 years. Promontory, Mainland. Garrett. Special Agent Nick Garrett? Yes. This is S.A. Nathan Max, technical analyst with Central Records at HQ. I'm calling in response to your submitted request on Rupert Tyler Cantier and the subsequent complaints you filed with my SAC. I did? Hmm. If I'm very sorry for the delay, you can blame me for it if you like. Everything's been bonkers since New Year's, as you well know, and I've been training new staff on I top of that. I understand that. What did you find out? Rupert Cantera was an asset of the agency from 2355 to 2374. We did fix his file, so everything you need to know is at your level of clearance, but I sent you the information to be sure. His information wasn't at a higher level, you see. The only reason you couldn't access it is because it was tagged with security clearance code that's not used anymore, and it was never updated. That's ridiculous. Yes, but it does happen. To sum it up for you, he worked with a counterterrorism unit out of New York East Island until his suspension from duty and his disappearance a year later. When? Oh, uh, when what? When did he go missing? Yes. Summer of 2375. May 16th was when he was last sighted. Interesting. So was there anything else I can help you with? As I said, I'm so no. sorry for the... Thanks. Thank you very much. If you log in and jump to his profile, you'll see. Hmm. That's unusual. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you for listening to this episode of Edict Zero FIS. Music and ambience heard on the show come from Nine Inch Nails, Kevin McLeod, How to Destroy Angels, Matthew G. Davidson, ERH, Tom Cusack, and DanielSongs.com. Other music and sound effects come from public domain show producer and Slipgate 9 studio resources, as well as material released freely on the internet through such venues as the Internet Archive. Look to the show credits on the website for more information. This episode is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 Unported License. 
For more information on Edict Zero FIS, visit its home at edict0.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening.